Good morning. Trust that you had a good week, a grace-filled week, a blessed week, spring break week. It's a very good week on, very blessed week on Friday. I got to get in the car with my son at 6.30 in the morning with Chance Winberry at 6.30 in the morning. Drives six hours to Big Sandy to watch Max and Colin promote out of basic trainings. You'll notice today many of the guys in our church have gotten haircuts. I see Justin Horsman, Mark Welch, myself, looks like Austin Dreyer, but Max and Colin certainly win the haircut award. My son asked Max yesterday when he saw him, what happened to your hair? <laughs> then uh, we got back 12 o'clock on uh, Friday evening or Saturday morning, depending on how you want to look at it. And the Boy Scouts were there camping and we had the blessing yesterday of putting up a playground. So it's been a good week and I desire to get into God's word again this morning and see what he have to say to us. If you could please stand again, take up your Bible, turn to Psalm 119, 25 to 32 and let us again honor the Lord by standing as we read his word. Psalm 119, 25 to 32. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Let's pray again. Lord, now we come into your presence, hearing now the words of truth, your words spoken to us, and we ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts that we might behold wondrous things out of your law. Make us alive, Lord, quicken our hearts that we might understand and grasp these truths, and then give us the boldness, the grace. To take them from here and apply them on a moment-by-moment, day-to-day basis. Father, I would ask and pray that what is said this morning is not my words using scriptures to support them, but vice versa. It would be your words and you would give me the grace and the blessing of being able to expound upon them and teach them in a way that is accurate and truthful to your word. Father, I pray for each person in here that we would be active listeners this morning, that our our hearts would be desiring and yearning and longing passionately to know you and know you more. May we not have come into this building today simply for whatever multitude of reasons, whether it be for fellowship, whether it be for worship, There's a lot of different ways and reasons we could come to church this morning out of habit. But may we come longing to have an experience as Isaiah did in Isaiah 6 and be able to cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Behold, I am a man of unclean lips. May we see you in your glory as compared. May we see ourselves as compared to your glory. May we understand the holiness of the God that we serve. And so Lord come now and I pray. And speak to us through your word. In Jesus precious name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. 
Father's Day of this year, we will celebrate nine years of the, exist- of the existence of Fredericksburg Christian Fellowship. And we've come a long way in nine years, and God has blessed us in innumerable ways. Currently, right now in our church, and this is not counting the people who have come and gone in that current period of nine years, currently now in this church, there have been 25 children that have been born to this church in those nine years. And there's many others that could count as well if you count those who have moved away, etc. We've had no deaths in our church in nine years. We've had no divorce in our church in nine years. We've had no marital infidelity in our church in nine years. We've had three marriages within our church in nine years. Zach Clark, uh, Mark and Sharon Welch, and myself, and Justin Horsman followed quickly as fast as he could get here to our church. And Daniel Przlowski. We have five. We've had a great many blessings. We've been able to see God pour out his innumerable blessings upon us. And that leads me to challenge us, and we'll see this in the word today, challenge us Are we going to get lackadaisical in those blessings and kind of coast and go, man, this is a a warm, fuzzy crowd and and I really like all the people here. Or are we going to continue to press? I would say that the odds are tremendously against us that we would ever make it another nine years without some of those things happening. No deaths, no divorce, no marital infidelity. The odds, the... The statistics are not with us that that would continue to happen. So will we continue to press or will we continue to get, or will we get lackadaisical, will we slow down, will we get a little mediocre and begin to ignore some of the things that have, by God's grace, been able to get us where we are today. So that leads me into Psalm 119, 25 through 32. Essentially, what we're talking about here in this eight verses, the fourth section of eight verses here in Psalm 119, is really our way versus God's way. And the psalmist is extrapolating on this, and he begins to talk about this, and he compares himself, or he compares his way versus God's way. And that's what I want to challenge us with this, this morning, is are you walking in God's way, or are you walking in your way? Or are you walking in God's way in some areas of your life, and are you, are you walking in to in your way in some areas of your life. The way this passage of scripture is broken up or the way we're going to approach it this morning is 25, 26, 27, 28, and 29 as kind of a prayer. 30 and 31 would be then a moving from this prayer into pleading for God's grace. So just a, a, a change in the type of prayer. And then 32 would be the resolve. You can see that 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. My soul clings to the dust. 28, my soul melts away for sorrow. 26, when I told of my ways. 29, put false ways far from me. You can see the switch there in 30. I've chosen the way of faithfulness. You can see there the turning. And then 32, the resolve, I will run in the way of your commandments. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Without Christ, we have no life. And that's going, this whole passage uh, from 25 all the way to 2 is ramping up to 32. And you'll see why once we get there. But really, I think what you could, you could make a point, and Charles Spurgeon makes this point, that the first five verses of this section are really a prayer of one who is very depressed. He, he's in the dust. He's in the, 
the doldrums of life. He's, his, his heart is heavy within him because he's viewed his way and he's realized, I'm not walking in the way of God. I'm not seeking God's way. I'm not honoring him with how I'm living my life. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. 26, when I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. I want to take, let's go to Ezekiel 18. Ezekiel 18. Our ways are not God's ways and God's ways are not our ways. And I think one of the one of the best things that you can do as you're reading scripture is as you begin that time in the word, whether it's whenever that time is in the day, you're beginning that time in the word. Stop long enough to meditate on what are my current ways? What are the ways I am currently walking in? What are the attitudes of my heart? What are the attitudes of the way I'm interacting with other people? What if, how am I using my free time? What, if, what is exciting me right now? And as you can do this, you can begin kind of talking back to yourself and exposing what your way is looking like. And then you're pleading, God, as I go now to your word, would you give me life? And if my ways are not in accordance with your ways, would you show me what that the difference is there and would you lead me into your ways? And that's essentially what the psalmist is saying here. When I told of my ways, you answered me. So we're coming to scripture now. We're saying, God, what are my ways? Or you're, you're, you're talking to yourself. You're, extrain, you're explaining, what are my ways? You're praying that out, Lord. This is, this is where I'm going. This is the desires of my heart. If it's not in accordance with your will, change that. Ezekiel 18, the, the heading of this passage, of this whole chapter is the soul's the soul who sins shall die. You see that in verse 4. You see that in verse 20. But Ezekiel 18, 25. And, and what has just happened here is there's this comparison between what is honoring to the Lord and what is not. 25. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not just. Hear now, O Israel. Here now, O house of Israel, is my way not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? When a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. For the injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, when a wicked person turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he shall save his life. Because he considered and turned away from all the transgressions that he had committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. 29, yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, are my ways not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? So we're coming to the Lord, we're saying, Lord, these are my ways. And we have to begin to acknowledge that our ways in and of ourselves without the working of the Holy Spirit are not going to be of God's ways. What are our ways? I'm going to take us through scripture here. Two passages, and we'll extrapolate on them. Proverbs 14. We want to compare our ways versus God's ways. So let's walk through some scripture passages as to what our ways look like. Proverbs 14. Once you find that, 
Then go to Psalm 14, keeping your finger in Proverbs 14. Go to Psalm 14. We'll flip back and forth between Psalm 14 and Proverbs 14. Let's start in Proverbs. Verse 12. There is a way. There's that word we're focusing in on. There's five uses or five times that the word way is used in Psalm 119, 25 through 32. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but his end is the way to death. First off, I think we have to be very clear that God, that man's way seems clear. We seem to know the way we should walk. We seem to feel like we've got it right because we can get the warm and fuzzies over anything just about. And so we kind of get this little experience, spiritual experience, so to speak. And we think, well, we, we must be going down the right path here. And you can look all through church history. You can look in our culture today. And there's many people that are firmly convinced that they're walking the right path, but they're not. So man's way seems clear. Proverbs fourteen twelve. Number two Number one would be man's way seems clear. Number two, man's way is deadly. Same verse, but its end is the way to death. Ezekiel 18, the soul who sins shall perish. Our way is not going to get us very far. Seems clear is deadly. Psalm 14. Psalm 14. Verse one, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Well, this is talking about the fool. But how many times have we lived? How many times have we woken up in the day and we've engaged in something that we know is not pleasing to the Lord? And essentially what we are saying is. There is no God. We're not living in the fear of God. We're walking as if there is no God. We're 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 talking. We're using uh, our, our actions, our thoughts. Or is it as if there is no God? The fool says in his heart there is no God. So it's a foolish way. Man's way is foolish. Man's way is deadly. Man's way seems clear. Man's way is corrupt. You see that in verse 1 and verse 3. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. Verse 3. Together they have become corrupt. There is no good. Same thing. Verse 1, verse 3. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Verse 3. There is none who does good, not even one. Man's way is terrifying. Verse 5, Psalm 14. There they are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. Now, it must be pointed out that as believers, we can do good deeds. And we can do things that are honoring and pleasing to the Lord only by the work of the Holy Spirit. In and of ourselves, there is nothing good. But through the work of the Holy Spirit, as we engage in what God has called us to do, that is a good deed. And that is pleasing and honoring to the Lord. But man's base way, his innate nature, there is no good. It is terrifying. It is corrupt. It is foolish. It seems clear and is deadly. What is God's way? Let's go back to Psalm 119. When I told of my ways, you answered me, verse 26, teach me your statutes. 27, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Now, 
I love the way the psalmist is praying here. Because it's not enough to just pray, God, teach me. You've then got to pray, God, help me to understand what you're teaching me and how it applies to my life. You can go to any classroom in the, in the world and they could sit there and lecture you on whatever they want to lecture you on. It could be Latin and you have no clue what Latin is. And they're teaching you. They're doing a great job. But unless you have understanding, it's going to get you nowhere. The same thing would be here in Scripture. You're pleading, God, here are my ways. Teach me your ways. But once you teach me your ways, give me the grace to understand your ways. But what are God's ways? I'm going to point out six things that are God's ways. And there's so many others, obviously. Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30. First off, God's way is clear. Man's way seems clear. God's way is very clear. Isaiah 30. Verse 18. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For a people shall dwell in Zion. In Jerusalem you shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher and your ears shall hear a word behind you. Love this. Listen to this. 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. Then you will defile or destroy your carved idols overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images. You will scatter them as unclean things. You will say to them, be gone. There's the, there's the perspective we desire in Scripture, is to see God's way so clearly that we understand why our way does not match up with that. And when we see God's way so clearly, all of a sudden our way becomes disgusting. It becomes idolatry and we toss it. That would be the desire we should have. Is to come into scripture and say, God, we desire to see your way. It is clear. Now, if we're talking about God's clear way, and I think we could use the word will for the word way as well. God's clear will or God's clear way. Same thing. We have to point out that there's two ways. There's a hidden way or a hidden will of God. And then there's the revealed will or the revealed way of God. Most often we desire to know what is God's hidden will in hidden way. We're seeking, where do I, where do I move? Uh, what kind of job do I need to get? What kind of education do I need to get? Who, do I, who am I supposed to marry? What church am I supposed to go to? Is this the right car? Is that the right house? God, tell us your way. We're seeking this hidden, hidden way, hidden, hidden will. But we have to know that unless we are Seeking God's revealed way and will, that hidden will will always be hidden. And it is only as we are walking in his revealed way that he can show us his hidden way. I'm going to, let's walk through some scriptures of what that revealed way looks like. Psalm, Psalm 15. We're just going to go from passage to passage to passage here. Really not spend much time on each one, but just show quickly, what is his revealed way? Because if you're seeking God, what is, my, what is your way for this area of my life? Know that until you're walking in his revealed way, that hidden way is going to be very difficult to see. 
God very most often works through his revealed way to show us his hidden way. And he doesn't have to work that way. He can just, like Paul or Saul at that time of Tarsus, show up as a shaft of light right in front of you. Boom, there he is. This is the way. You're not walking in it. Walk in it. He can do that. But most oftentimes, he's working through his revealed way. Psalm 15. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? Here's David essentially asking the same question. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. We just talked about Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. A man who is following God, a man who is following God's revealed way, is a man who speaks the truth in his heart. And who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall be never be moved. Theirs is a very clear revealed way. You want it in the New Testament. Romans. Romans 9. Romans 9. Excuse me, Romans 12, verse 9. Romans 12, verse 9. Marks of the true Christian. Want to know what God's revealed will is? Revealed way, here it is. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, and goes on and on and on. There is God's revealed way. You want to know how he wants you to walk? meditate and study on Romans 12, 9 through 21. Very clear. 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 4. Still under God's way is clear. His revealed way, his hidden way. First Thessalonians 4, 3. It is God's will that you are holy or sanctified. Verse 3, 4, 3. First Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will, or we could, we could put in there way of God, your sanctification. And then here's another one. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That's his way. Very clear. It's... We can go to Hebrews 12 if we wanted to and talk about it. Without holiness, you shall not see God. It's God's will and God's way that we are holy. Matthew six thirty three, very clear. Very clear here in Matthew six thirty three, in a verse that probably all of us could quote. But it's God's will that we are God's way that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto us. 34. This is also God's way that we are not anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 12. Verse 13. God's way is that we are holy. God's way is clear. But his revealed will is that we should be holy. Abstain from sexual impurity. Seek him first. Do not be anxious. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. See, really the key to understanding God's hidden way is to learn to trust him. That's why we see in scripture that God says that faith should be like a childlike faith. Are we willing to trust him that he, as we would obey him in his revealed way, that as we would trust him and do that and obey him, he's going to make clear our hidden way. God's way is clear. God's way is unobstructed. Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57, 14. His way is unobstructed. And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way. Remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would grow faint before me and the breath of life that I made. Because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him. I hid my face and was angry. But he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. God's way is unobstructed. Our way is very obstructed. But if you will be willing to walk in God's way, all these questions that you have of what about this? What about that? That's God's hidden will. That's right in front of you. You can't see a way around it. Keep walking in his way and that stuff will clear. God's way is peaceful. Psalm 23. Whether we like it or not, we are dirty, nasty, filthy, smelly sheep. And the only way a sheep can be peaceful is if he is under the protective hand of the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We could just go on through scripture. God's way is good. God's way is merciful. God's way is truthful. God's way is sovereign. God's way, all these different things that we can see that are God's way. And it's in stark contrast to our way. Let's go back to Psalm 119. So will you desire to know what God's way, let me rephrase that, will you desire to live in God's way in your life? Or will you continue to desire to walk in your way and kind of have God as the the big brother that you can say, well, if you do this, he's going to come do whatever. 
Is he just kind of a, a tag-along friend? Or is he the one driving your life? Is his way so desirous of you that you pant long for it as a deer longs for water? You see that in the psalmist here. Make me understand the way of your precepts, 27, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. In 1 Peter five ten, it sees that. It says that God will strengthen, establish us, make us perfect in his way. He will strengthen us through his word. But are we willing to trust that and go to that as our source of strength rather than our way as our source of strength? Now, here's where we turn from this prayer of God. I am I I'm living in my way. This is wrong. It's depressing. I want your way. Here's where we turn. Verse 29, 30 and 31. Still the prayer put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. 30. I have chosen the way of faithfulness or truth. Some translations would say truth. I have chosen the way of truth or faithfulness. I set your rules before me. If you want to. If you're on a basketball team. And you want to stay on that basketball team. March Madness is going on right now. And I haven't followed it this year. But I know one of the best teams there has lost one of their best players. And one of the best players in the country. Why? He did not follow the rules of the team. He did not have those set before him at all times. And so when he was off the court, he did apparently, I don't know the whole story, apparently did whatever he wanted to do. But if he wanted to stay on that team, and the same thing applies to us, if we want to If we want to honor God, we have to set his ways always before us at all times. Proverbs 16. Let's walk through the first couple of verses of Proverbs 16. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Are you conscious that your ways are not going to be good without the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit? The person who wrote this proverb was, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. C.S. Lewis said one of the most terrifying things a man could ever hear is not my will, but thine be done. And it's not us saying that to God. It's God saying that to us. God saying, "Okay, you want to walk your way in my sovereignty, in my perfect will, in my perfect mercy. I will let you walk your way. Oh, may we plead to never hear that. We can go to Romans 1 and we can just walk down Romans 1 of where we see men who desired their way so much that God gave them over to the depravity of their mind and look what happened. So are we committing, are we saying, God, not my will but thine in, in a desire that we would not hear that said back to us. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Verse 4 of 16, Proverbs 16. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. And I think here's the key. Of this, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Humility has got to be the key there. Realizing that our way is not going to please the Lord. 
So the psalmist in Psalm 1930, he's chosen the way. And there's a there's the beginning of a resolve there. I set your rules before me. So he's going to set God's way always before him. And he's going to commit his way always to God. He's making this choice. And then here we go in 31. One more time, he's pleading for this grace before he makes his resolve in 32. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. Now, we could read that and we can say, well, God, essentially what the psalmist is saying here is, God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to seek you above my way and please allow your way to not fail. Now, he knows because God's word does not return void that his that God's way will not allow him to fail. And yet he's still pleading that because he knows within himself there's a capacity for great amount, great amounts of evil. So he's still praying, God, I'm going to do this. And would you please show me that your way is going to be true? Stay in Psalm 19, but I'm I'm going to go quickly to Psalm 19 and read two verses there that are just so applicable to this one verse. David is writing this. Verse 12 of Psalm 19 and 13 as well. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. This is the exact same thing he's praying. I cannot discern that my way is going to be always the right way. And I don't always know that my way is going to be right. So declare me innocent from hidden faults. Things that I cannot see. Blind spots in my life. 13. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let him not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. This presumptuous sin is not just a sin that you're walking into blindly, but you are presuming that you can do this and get away with it. And David is asking God, don't let this happen to me. And that's essentially what is being said here in Psalm 119.31. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. Let me not be turned over to my way. Let me not engage in presumptuous sins. Let not the blind spots in my life be hidden. And then finally, the resolve. 32. I will. And notice, you can look back. And we we talked about last time I spoke. That each section of these eight verses apply to the other sections. And you see this here in the end of 32. Look, at the, the end of the first section, verse 19, there's another I will. I will keep your statutes and do not utterly forsake me. The end of verse 16, which is the end of the second section. I will delight. I will. There's another I will. And then you have it here at the 32 as well. I will run in the way, God's way, of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. And I want to close with some explaining what I think is being said here. When you enlarge my heart. Let's go to two verses before we hit this last, before we hit one more verse, the closing verse here. Let's go to Philippians. Let's start with Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. What is the psalmist talking about here? Because we've already made it very clear that our heart... And let's point out also as well that the, the religion of Christianity is a heart religion. It is not one that is just for piety's sake 
religion externalized, so to speak. It's not just that you're going to go bow down to an idol or you crawl up enough steps and kiss all of them or you, you, know, you have the right cows or whatever religion that other, these other ones would be that are all focused on the external. And, and Christianity is, there is an external side of it, but it has to start with the heart. So we have to understand that our heart is very key to all of this. And Jeremiah is talking about that. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. So what is the psalmist talking about here? Because we've made it very clear that our heart is not going to be good in and of ourselves. We see that again, Jeremiah 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick or desperately wicked. Who can understand that I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Now, let's go to Philippians 2. Keep that kind of in the back of your mind. Our heart is deceitfully wicked. Philippians 2, 13. Let's start in 12. 2, 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This resolve here at the very end of, of 32, when you enlarge my heart, I really think is the, the culmination of this section. And is a beautiful thing because in the middle of the entire Bible here, we have a, a, a glimpse, or we have a, a marking, so to speak. You know, if you, if you pull up a DVD on the screen, you can go to chapter markings. And you can go to different parts of the DVD and see whatever's going on at that chapter. And that's exactly what we have here in Psalm 119, 32. Is we have a chapter marking here that is in the context of the entire, the entire Bible. It's showing the, the story of the entire Bible here. Uh, the leaders of the church, elders and deacons, and the infire guys at this time as well, are reading a book called Instruments in a Redeemer's Hands by Paul David Tripp. Highly Highly recommend that book. But one of the things he talks about there is the story of redemption. God's story of redemption. The entire story of the Bible. This story of redemption, it has three pillars. One is God's sovereignty. The next one is God's grace. And the third one is that it is his story. And when you can understand that through God's sovereignty, you are saved by his grace for his story. Much of the perspective of life that we need becomes very clear. And we realize that unless God quickens us, makes us alive in himself, we cannot run in the way of his commandments. The psalmist understands Romans 11, 36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. He understands that unless God opens this heart of his, unless he understands that it is his story that we're concerned about, not our story. It, it, this isn't about us. It's about him. And as we can realize that and understand we are here for his glory, it is all for his glory, that then our heart can be enlarged and we can run. Think of a physical heart. Secretariat was one of the fastest horses to ever run the track. And when he died, they did an autopsy on him. And they realized why he was one of the fastest horses to ever run the racetrack. He had a heart that was more than a third larger than any other horse's normal heart. 
He had the ability to pump more blood through his body than any other horse at that time. And that's exactly what we're looking for here. God, enliven my heart, expand this, explode this, that I can live, I can run for your glory. So really, this, the whole portion of these eight verses are leading up to not my way, I want your way, that I might be a chapter marking, a significant chapter marking in the history, in the, his story of redemption. Is that how we wake up every morning? I don't. I don't wake up morning go, going, God, I want to have a chapter marking today in your story for your glory. But that's how we should live our life. And if we can do that, then all of a sudden our way becomes very minuscule. I don't really care about it. I want to cast it away as idols, as Ezekiel talked about. And I want you to be glorified. May this be the desire of our heart. That we are a chapter marking in this story. His story. This is not about us. But his story for his glory. That from him and through him and to him be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we think, I think of the great hymn of the faith, Come Thou Fount. And Lord, I see that my heart is prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God of love. Take my heart, take it and seal it for the glory of thy courts above. Father, I would, I would know that if there is anything within me that even recognizes on a minuscule, minute scale that my way is not your way, that that would be by the sheer grace and power of the Holy Spirit. So I thank you. And I pray, Lord, that you would not allow us to wonder from your way, that way of holiness, that way that is honoring and pleasing to you. But may we every day seek, as you, seek after you as our treasure that we might, for your glory, be a significant part in your story, this story of redemption. We thank you, Lord, that by your sovereign will, through your sovereign grace, you've enabled us to be alive today and to be a part of that story. And may you be glorified through us. Lord, your ways are not my ways. So conform my ways to your ways that you might that I might have the, the blessing and the privilege of being used by you in this world today. Lord, I pray for each and every heart here. I pray that these, if there are hard hearts, that you would soften them, that your word would like a hammer break the hard, hardness of our hearts. If there are soft hearts here, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them. If there are downtrodden hearts, lift us up. That this week, Lord, we might be able to say, at the end of this coming week, we love you more, we desire you more than when we began. That this word would, would go deep and quicken us and make us alive. 
that whatever we eat, whatever, whatever we drink, we might do all to the glory of God. May you be, pers- may you be praised. May you be worshipped. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.